Hi, my name is Rochelle Grow, and I'm obsessed with all things business, especially networking. Oftentimes, the opportunities that we have in business and even personally comes down to who we know. I love helping people build a thriving network with genuine people, even if they are new to the game, afraid to say the wrong thing, or need a reminder to just do it. I'm a California transplant living in Northern England who's taken her business chops from California to New York and now the US to the UK. I work from home and run two businesses. No matter if you're a networking beginner or not, I can teach you the step-by-step behind the scenes secrets to building a network that you love. Pop in your earbuds and get ready to be encouraged and have some fun while you learn. This is Allergic to Small Talk by Cut Class. Hello, and welcome back to the Allergic to Small Talk podcast. You can catch me here every Thursday, or you can catch me live every Thursday on Instagram at Let's Cut Class. You can also follow me on my personal Insta at It's Row Grow. All right, are you ready to dive into today's episode? Let's do it. Have you ever been a part of a company where there's just a stellar community and the vibe is on point? I remember when I used to work for Flywheel in New York, the sense of community was so awesome. Flywell was one of America's top companies in boutique fitness. You felt like such a badass working for them, as well as being a member for their indoor cycling or bar classes. They would host events for staff, gave us opportunities to get involved with projects, each studio had their own little subculture, and the customers didn't even feel like customers. They felt like really good friends. Sadly, they closed their doors at the start of the pandemic. R.I.P. Flywheel. Have you ever wondered how companies created the sense of community or maybe thought about why it's so important to have a community within a company? If so, you're about to get your socks rocked by my guest today. Her name is Emily Lakin. Emily Lakin is the director of Earnest Agency, where she's privileged to work with an established network of clients and collaborators. Emily serves on the founding team of the Space Program San Francisco and spent over a decade at Yerba Buena Centers for the Arts, building relationships at the nexus of contemporary art, culture, and social impact. Emily thrives in the worlds of art and community. She creates conditions for these two elements to be experienced, which allows individuals to see their creative capacity and gain a greater understanding of themselves and the world around them. Recently, Fast Company named her client Patreon as one of the top 10 most innovative social media companies of 2021, highlighting Emily's work building and launching a creator accelerator program as part of this honor. On today's episode, Emily provides a thought-provoking way to look at networking. She challenges us to build networks that not only provide value for us as individuals, but the world at large. Emily provides examples of this concept by describing a person that created a neighborhood Facebook group and communities that were created by companies like Harley, Airbnb, and Patreon. As Emily goes through each of her insights, I want you to think about the power that lies within your network and ask yourself, is there a sense of community within it? And if there is, what are you doing with it? And if there isn't, what can you do to make the shift? All right, y'all, grab a pen and paper, because this is a good one. I won't make you wait any longer. Let's meet Emily. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. 
Absolutely. So I gave you an introduction, but I always love for my listeners to hear from you. Like when people ask, hey, Emily, tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you say? I think for many of your listeners, that might be a frightening question. And at times I feel the same way. I often tailor it to the situation I'm in. So for today, I would say um, the best way to reflect me is to look at the people and places and the experiences I've been a part of and that I help nurture. In short, I'd say my community is defined loosely as creative weirdos. And I say that with all the love and affection because I am very much myself part of that group. And over the course of my life, much of which was on the East Coast, I'd say I've, I've always been attracted to places that have the opportunity to build my own and others' creative capacity. I was born into a town in New Jersey that was built as a cooperative community by the WPA in the 30s and eventually became this uh, artist enclave. Obviously, I was not there at the time, but I got to experience it much later. And although I moved from there when I was very young, it left a really big impression on me. So I ended up going to a women's college, which reflects my commitment to empowering women and girls. After I left school, I came to San Francisco, which I had spent the summer prior here. And then I just never left. So like I said, that I was able to really find that community here and really find my purpose here. And perhaps a great example of that is the job I recently left at Yerba Buena Center for the Arts, which you mentioned, which was a 14-year tenure. And it was an amazing place to be and be a part of. It's a non-collecting contemporary art institution. And I spent my time working at the intersection of social impact, community development, and arts and culture. So I was building partnerships, raising funds, creating experiences where people felt inspired and safe to experience something new. And now I get to focus on my consulting under Earnest Agency. And it's really exciting to bring my passions out in this way. I get to build programs and experiences that bring people together around community and creativity so that they're left feeling inspired and empowered. And what I love about this is that I get to work across all kinds of sectors, tech companies like Patreon that you mentioned, Airbnb, nonprofits like Girls Garage and YBCA. I've worked with interior designers and artists and architects and lawyers. So it's a really fun way to live into the purpose. I feel like I started way, way back growing up and getting to do that now. Excellent. Okay, great. So I know today we're really going to be focusing on community. And and I think it's so important as we continue on continue into 2021. And I know that you mentioned that community will be kind of a buzzword for this year. Can you kind of tell us like what that means and why you think it matters so much this year? Sure. I mean, I would say in the last maybe eight to 10 years, community has become a more commonplace word in the professional world. But definitely after this last year that we just had, I think that it's going to be really huge because we have had to live our lives online for the most part and getting to make connections with people, feeling a sense of belonging, feeling connected. We've had to all do that in a virtual space. And so the people who can actually build those experiences, create the programs that help companies or even just individuals do that are going to be really important. And I've seen lots of new job postings recently for community managers. So I can see that this momentum is building. And I think that for all of us who have been doing the community work for so long, it's nice to be recognized as producing a value. And that can be both for individuals and for companies. Excellent. Okay, great. So can you tell me, like, what is the difference between an audience and a community? Yeah, that's a great question. My favorite quote is from an author, Chris Brogan, which says, the difference between an audience and a community is which way the chairs are facing. And that's a really simplified definition, but kind of clues you into what I'm about to say, where the difference between building an audience and community is 
if you're building an audience, you're broadcasting, you want to help people. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if you want to build a community, you're empowering people to help each other. You're creating connections between your community members, and it's in service to something larger. I can give an example of something I've experienced over the last year. I joined a local Buy Nothing group. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but these are Facebook groups that are committed to connecting people in their neighborhood and to exchange items that maybe you don't want anymore. And so instead of throwing it into landfill or leaving it on the street or trying to sell it, it's really about connecting with people to share items that maybe they want or they need. And it's it's gathered around this idea of giving back. So I get to give back to people who you know, might need extra groceries that I accidentally ordered or a pair of shoes that I don't wear anymore. Or I got a cat this year and I needed some supplies really quickly. And so I got it from this community. And, and meanwhile, I'm meeting neighbors who live in the same neighborhood I've lived in for 15 years, who I've never met. I see pictures of their family. They post their items online and poems. So I'm getting this real connection to people where I otherwise wouldn't get, especially during the pandemic. So the person who started Buy Nothing, you know, here didn't do it because she wanted to be acknowledged for leading this group. She actually just wanted to do it so that the community would come together. But I think that's really important to think about the difference between audience and community is whether it's about you as an individual, and that's not to say that you as an individual can't get something back in return. In fact, hopefully you do, but it's actually in service to something a little bit larger. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a really good distinction because I think a lot, like what we see a lot, whilst I think like social media, right, is meant to create communities. But I think sometimes when you see like big influencers, you can just see that it's more of an audience versus a genuine community in this case. Would that be fair to kind of almost kind of make a distinction between the two or? Yeah. And and I think there are definitely big influencers who have built communities. Issa Rae on Patreon, her Patreon page is all about empowering creators of color and giving them opportunities through her production studio. And so, you know, she's, she's a huge influencer, but she's built this, I would say maybe she's built her audience into a community. I think sometimes like social media influencers, I think sometimes they get a bit of a bad, kind of a bad rap sometimes, but because maybe they're looked at as maybe creating more of the audience and not so much as the community. But then there are in your, like some cases that you're just saying where some Patreon users actually turn their audience into a community. So I I guess it's kind of like a, can go both ways in a way. It is. And and it's a choice. And like I said, I don't, I don't think one is, or maybe I do think one is better than the other, but, (laughs) but I, you know, I, neither is right or wrong. I think it's a matter of what you're trying to accomplish. You know, one of my favorite examples of community I learned in a book called Building Brand Communities by Carrie Melissa Jones and Charles Vogel. And they talk about the Harley Owners Group, the Harley Davidson Owners Group. Uh It's called HOG as an acronym. And not only what it did for the company, but what it did for people. So Harley could have just sold motorcycles. They were just about selling motorcycles. In the early 70s, they were close to bankruptcy. Early 80s, the internal execs bought the company back and launched this program that they thought would just be kind of fun to, you know, invite some people out (laughs) on a ride and have some patches. And in the first year, 30,000 people joined the chapter. By 2003, Harley had turned the business around and had a profit of a billion dollars. By 2006, they had 85% of the market. So that's not to say that Harley didn't build an audience for their motorcycles because they did, but they built a community around this idea of freedom, freedom of the road. And it's amazing to see and probably quite surprising, I think, to a lot of us who maybe aren't 
tied into that community to see that it's across the world. There are these clubs that go out on rides and know each other. And you can see every element of community building in their practice. So they're gathered around a shared idea. Like I said, freedom. Right. There's a feeling of membership. So the logo is very well known. You <laughs> yeah. recognize it even if you don't have a motorcycle. Patches on people's you know, backs are also really recognizable. So it's easy to identify who's part of the club and who's not. There's accepted behaviors or actions. They have these rituals. Like if once you reach, I think it's 10 years, you get this commemorative patch. There's recognition there. They have volunteer days. Some groups go out and do Habitat for Humanity and build houses. And there's knowledge sharing and storytelling. So Harley itself runs education programs like safety classes that you can take as part of this owner's group. And then you then have access to more senior writers. So there's this exchange of people who've been in the group for a while and people who are new to the group, welcoming them. And it's amazing. It's every classic element of community that they've now built around their business, not just in service to their business. And that I think is the real difference between an audience and a community. Okay, great. So that kind of leads us into our, your, your second insight. And I think you touched on quite a few of them now is what actually makes a community, right? And I know you touched on rituals, like logos and symbols and patches, but was there anything that we missed in there? What are like key elements that a company or an individual would need to include in order to start maybe the foundation of building a community? Yeah, I think the the primary one is this idea of your purpose, you know, having a partner in the enterprise you have. Harley might be about making motorcycles, but that's not why they're doing it. Mm. Like I said, they're doing it because this idea of freedom, that, that motorcycle gives you access to ride anywhere you want. So I think starting with what that purpose is or what the idea you're gathered around is really the place to start. And in Brene Brown's book, Dare to Lead, there's a whole list of you know possible reasons people gather. It's not exclusive by any means. It could be about mastery. It could be about belonging. Really figuring out why people are coming together and in service to what is the first place to go with a community. It's not just about the product you're making or you know what you're trying to do. And then, like I said, those other elements of belonging. So pins, patches, logos, names, you know, titles, things that kind of signify that you're, you're part of the crew. And then those behaviors or those actions you might take. So I was thinking the other day about how in the early days of Lyft, that ride sharing service, when they had fuzzy pink mustaches on the front of the car, (laughs) um, when, when you got in the car, Lyft instilled this in their drivers and not everyone did it, but they would fist bump you like a hello. You'd like get in the car and they fist bump you. And it was silly and not everybody wanted to do it, but it was amazing. There was this ritual. You knew you were going to get in the car. You were going to fist bump this person you had never met in your life. <laughs> and and suddenly I found myself talking to people about who they are and what they do. And and it really inspired this idea of, of safety. You know, I'm now in a car with somebody I kind of know, not really, but like I know enough that I'm very entertained by whatever we're talking about. It's not just a taxi. And, and that really helps Lyft build this community and this competitive advantage as Things like Uber spun up or, you know, other services that that could be competing in the same world, but they then had these people that enjoyed using their service. They did it because sure they had plenty of options, but there was something special about Lyft. And I think one of those things was that ritual of knowing you got in the car, you'd fist bump somebody and meet a stranger that day. Yeah, that's great. It makes me think about Flywheel, the company that I worked for in New York, and they were competing with SoulCycle. And, you know, SoulCycle is a huge brand. And I think the difference between the two was 
at Flywheel, not that you were less of an athlete if you participated with either brand, but because of the performance metrics that you would get with Flywheel, you just felt so, you felt like an athlete, like you felt so rad to be there and being branded with their logo. Like you just knew like that person's a badass because they go to Flywheel and that sense of community, the, the elements of, and like, I didn't even know that those elements of the community were actually there. Like, but it was all there for me. And that's the reason why I chose to work for them over, over SoulCycle. It's the reason why I stayed with them as long as I did. And I always like bragged about them because they had all of those like key elements that I hadn't even know were working on me. Yeah. That, I mean, that really speaks to the why communities are important. I read this term platonic longing, which I love. <laughs> it's in Kat Vellis's book called We Should Get Together about building friendships. And it's this unfulfilled wish for, you know, better, resilient, close friendships, which is hard to do as we get older. But, you know, we desire as humans to be part of something. <laughs> it's in our nature. And so for individuals, we we want to be part of groups. We want to be part of communities. For companies, that is their competitive advantage. It's not just the thing that they're selling, but as part of Flywheel, you got to be part of a group of athletes. Maybe you had never identified yourself as an athlete, but they instilled in you this idea that you're part of this club. And that can help with, like, as you said, employee retention. It can help with building better products, bringing them to the market faster. Even if something were to go wrong at Flywheel, I would bet that if the community was strong enough, they could say, okay, you know what? Next time we'll do better because they are bought into that idea of we're building this together. Totally. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so why are, I mean, we touched it on a couple just now. So why are communities so, like, why are they so important? And what power lies within communities? Well, you know, starting with this idea of the purpose of why you're gathering, communities are important because they can make impact towards that purpose. So if I'm a Harley Davidson owner, and I want to experience freedom, well, now I get to be part of a group that then creates freedom in all sorts of ways. We do it, you know, by our social gatherings. We do it by building house for someone through Habitat, who then gets them the freedom of home ownership. There are really large social constructs that communities are built around that as an individual, you get to feel like part of something larger. And that's not always easy to do, um, especially on your own, which is why we seek out these groups to be part of. And we also touched on the power of communities for companies. You know, I think it becomes a competitive advantage. If you think of a company like Airbnb, which built this host community, Oh gosh. Um, yes. I used to be a host back in the day. And like, you got to be a super host. I don't even know if those even exist anymore, but they do. Yeah, they do. They do. So there was a title in that, you know, you have this extra recognition of being a super host. Hosts would then share tips with each other. Airbnb would send out keychains that only hosts got to, certain hosts got to have. So they had all the elements of community and, and look at their tagline. It's about belonging anywhere. So they built around this idea of belonging And then when cities decided, you know, Airbnb really needs to be regulated, what did Airbnb do? They mobilized their community. They mobilized the people who are making their livelihoods around being able to share their spaces and say, look, this is important to me. I've gotten to be part of this international network of people. It brings me connection. It brings me belonging. It brings me my livelihood. Certainly we can understand there needs to be some regulations, but you can't shut this down. And that was an incredibly powerful move. And it's, yeah, it's so crazy. It goes far beyond the four walls of a business. Like it it could infiltrate like policy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's just one of the ways I think that community can, can be part of in business. 
product development is another one that's huge. You know, building a widget <laughs> with right. your community means that you've got a built-in audience who's going to buy it and then be those influencers that say, this is amazing. They built the thing I need. Hey, 10 friends, you should buy one of these things. So you don't even have to like worry as much about your marketing. You certainly can invest in marketing, but community marketing is so powerful. That's why companies track NPS scores. Net promoter score is your interest in referring that company to a friend. Now, if you built that around community, I would imagine your net promoter score would be quite high. Yeah. Okay. Can you, I know that you just touched on how your community can help you create and build products. And when we originally set up this uh, interview, we were talking about how you were, you were working on a project for Patreon. It's kind of centered around the same thing. Can you just talk about what that was? It was a, I know that they brought their Patreons within Patreon together, right? And they started giving creators, their creators together. Creators. Yeah. So I'm still consulting on Patreon. I'm actually working on a couple projects with them. And a lot of it centers around this idea of listening to the community. What do they want? I got brought in on the premise initially about a year ago to build a residency program for Patreon. And as we started to talk to creators, they said, I have a place to create. What I really need help with is creating my business. And so we started to build out programs that were around education, around building community to bring creators into conversation with each other, into conversations with experts around branding and marketing and hiring and looking at data so that they felt empowered to be on Patreon, to maximize the, what they want to do on that platform. And it's been really incredible to see how successful that program was. It was you know, what you mentioned earlier with Fast Company, that you know, we've launched this program that had huge returns for people and all because we listened to what they said they wanted. Yeah, that's great. And for people who don't know, we've, we've been talking, we've touched on Patreon just a little bit, but can you just talk about what is Patreon? Like what, Sure. who uses it? Why would you want to use it? Yeah. Patreon is a platform to build a membership community around. So the way it works is let's say I'm a podcaster and I have five minutes available for free. But if you would love to support my work, you can spend $5 a month and you'll get extended episodes. So then let's say as a podcaster, you might ask your community, you know, I have these five themes coming up. Which one do you want to hear first? And so you get this idea of like a built-in audience, but then an audience you can build into your community through this membership platform and ask, invite them into the process, show them behind the scenes work, ask them what they want to hear. So it's the same power of community, but you get to do that with your own content. And Patreon lets you monetize that. And what I'm working on right now is the education side of things and some community programs like the idea of mentorship or even just bringing people together to exchange best practices about what they've done on Patreon because it's a pretty isolating place to be as a solo creative entrepreneur and totally. um, yeah. getting to talk to other people who have even just experienced the same thing even if they have no solutions, it's comforting. And so beyond that comfort, you can then get tips and tricks and let me connect you with someone or give you a resource. And so it really builds on itself to empower creators to help each other. Excellent. So Patreon specifically for creators. So we could po podcasters, artists, 
I honestly, what I've seen on the platform, it can be almost anything. Illustrators, writers, maybe things you wouldn't think about of, of art with a capital A, but it's a really amazing way to put out content and find a community of people who want to support it and want to be part of it. Excellent. Okay, very cool. Well, Emily, is there anything else we need to touch on of regarding communities within companies for individuals, the power of communities? Did I miss anything? You know, I was listening to some of your earlier podcasts and I keep thinking about this idea of building a network. And I was thinking about your listeners as individuals and maybe as part of companies and this idea of network and, and what that network means. And so I just wanted to connect that those two points and say, totally. you know, that folks listening have a, have a choice that they can make to say, I want to be part of an audience or build an audience, or I want to be part of a community. And I guess what I would love to leave people with is this idea of what is the value of the communities you have in your life right now? What value could you make by participating in community? And how does that translate into your work life? How do you build networks that not only provide value to you as an individual or to what you're making, but to the world at large? I think that's really the power of community. Excellent. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, when they think about networking, it feels like it feels so scary or it feels so confronting. But if people can think about it, it's just creating a community with like-minded people for a bigger purpose. It takes the pressure off of the individual person. Absolutely. And it's, it's not just about you trying to pitch somebody on an idea. It's that you're trying to do something together. So you're on equal footing. There's no need to come in and feel embarrassed about, you know, being out of place or you're not sure what to say, or you don't know what you want or need. You know, I think we're all human. We all have needs of being together. And I think being able to come from it from that perspective and say, what can we create together is really a powerful thing to do. Love it. Thank you. So Emily, you're taking on your consulting full time. If my audience wants to find you, they want to work with you. Where can we find you? Yes. Well, you can find my website online at www.earnest.agency. I'm also on Instagram at earnest.agency. Um, still building out profiles in other places. We'll start there for now. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but slow, slow and steady for me. I'm excited to really move into this world of consulting and, and see what I can find there. Love it. So are there any projects that you're working on right now where we can support you in what you're doing? Mm, that's a great question. Well, I have a number of projects now, so it's hard to pick. I would say that supporting me actually would be to dive into this exploration of community. I would love to build people who really understand what it means and why it's important so that one day I could say the word community and everyone gets it. <laughs> so love it. Ways that you could support me is actually diving into this material and learning more. There's a really amazing group of community professionals called CMX, okay. which is where I started learning about this. There's also some great podcasts by wonderful individuals in this community, get together from people in company, Masters of Community with David Spanks. I mentioned a couple books, but I really think that if you're going to be a community nerd like me, diving into this material and, and understanding how it works and why it works and starting to seed those ideas with other people will only make our world better. Love it. Thank you so much, Emily. I've learned so much on this podcast. It's definitely one of my favorite, and I know my listeners are going to love it too. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Wow, what a dope episode. I love meeting people that are filled with passion for what they do because their passion inspires me, 
and in some cases, shifts my thinking entirely. And Emily did just that. After this interview with Emily, I began thinking about all the companies I've worked for and possibly why I loved or didn't love them so much. And when I really thought about it, it was a sense of community that kept me coming back time and time again. At the start of this episode, I wanted you to think about the power that lies within your network and ask yourself, is there a sense of community within your networks? And if there is, what are you doing with it? And if there isn't, what can you do to make the shift? If you're an employee, are you currently working for a company that has a stellar community? Or maybe it's lacking community. What can you do to bring community into the workplace? Do you own a company? If you do, is there a sense of community? If there isn't, how can you bring a sense of community to your employees? All right, y'all. I will leave you with those questions, and I really want to know the answers to some of them. So get into my DMs on Insta at It's Row Grow or drop a post in my Facebook group called Allergic to Small Talk. If you want the show notes for this episode, you can get them at letscutclass.com forward slash allergic to small talk and scroll down to episode 17. I look forward to seeing you next week. Same time, same place. See ya.